You're listening to The Straight Dope, Episode 5, Training Scars. Up until now, I've talked a lot about establishing a baseline, knowing your craft number, and thinking about fundamentals and equipment as they relate to your specific goal. Now, one of the issues that we run into, no matter what, when training towards something specific is developing habits that turn subconscious, and those subconscious habits have a tendency to come back in inopportune moments and bite us. Those are what I'm going to call training scars, and I want to talk about them a little bit because when you're aware of them, you can modify your training to account for some of that and also be aware of when and where they might pop up. Once an area we've probably all encountered is forgetting to dial back down to zero. Shooter shoots, or the last time that they shot, there was dope dialed into the rifle, and without an established process that forces you to dial your turrets back down to zero, the next time you shoot, thinking that you're on zero, you're not. At home, I shoot paper at 100 yards. It's unusual for me to change my elevation unless I'm testing something specific. Out of context, I don't think about dialing to zero, or I hadn't until I made that a part of my process everywhere after coming home from a range shooting at distance only to notice that my zero was high because I forgot to dial back down. You can probably call those habits, patterns, or processes whatever you want. I'm going to call them all training scars because as humans, we're creatures of habit. We're neurologically flexible and we're capable of rewiring those patterns if we're aware of them. Or if we change those habits, we do it whether we're aware of them or not. But the longer we go about not addressing them, the harder it becomes to change them. So, so hear me out. Here's one thing that I think we can all relate to. We've all invested a lot of emotional energy to potty training. I bet if any of you right now had to pee, it would be emotionally challenging to just pee in your pants or get up and pee on a wall, right? And in fact, it's probably even disturbing to think about, but it's a habit that neurologically you've developed in wired circuits to make it very difficult for you to do that. I've met adults in the mountains that hesitate when they have to pee by going and peeing on a tree because we're so ingrained to doing it in a toilet. Some of you may have had to pee when you're driving and spent a lot of time thinking about you know, what exit to take or whether you pull over on the side of the road, whereas others now may have unwired some of those inhibitions to be able to pee like in a Gatorade bottle or something. Now, it might sound a little strange for me to be talking about peeing in awkward places while also trying to establish context for shooting, but shooting is a pretty serious thing. And so being able to understand why we're doing it and not getting too comfortable with the thought of mindlessly sending rounds down range, I think is important because there are times and places where the results of doing something the way that you're used to could land you in jail. Okay. So I'm going to steer it back towards shooting. But how can some things become habit 
that ultimately end up being training scars. Well, for a second, I'm going to talk about shooting a small plate and something that it's not unusual to hear people say, oh, I held right edge or I held left edge, or it's, um, you know, you see your impact or miss, and then you just follow it up by moving that impact onto the plate and hitting it. I think that reflexively doing that creates an advantage in one context and a disadvantage in another context. The advantage is if you're just counting impacts, you can do that very quickly. The disadvantage is you're not thinking about wind. You're not thinking about fundamentals or your position. Uh, you're, You're simply correcting a mistake quickly in the moment, but you're also reinforcing the habit of not needing to think about any other inputs to the rifle. And I'm all about inputs to the rifle versus points. My rationale is if it's about points, it's very easy for somebody to change the context so that you get none instead of getting a lot. Whereas if we're thinking about the rifle and the system, if we get really good at that, there aren't situations where we're going to be tricked right? on the masterful end of that spectrum, of course. As an example... Let's say you shoot an inch left when you're kneeling and you shoot at a target from a kneeling position and you miss left. You may be able to correct to the right and impact the plate, but did you miss to the left in the first place because of your position or because of wind? Some of you might say it doesn't matter because I corrected and I got an impact, but to me it makes a huge difference in how we approach thinking about shooting solutions and training in the first place because at some point, if you account for your natural tendencies, what happens when you do it right? Then which way do you correct? So if we're training with a goal in mind and doing things correctly in mind, we shouldn't have to correct for our mistakes. We should train our mistakes out. Now, I spent a lot of time reading Brian Litz, and in this context, I disagree with some of what he says, but you can't really argue with the science that he produces in his books. So let me read from Accuracy and Precision for Long Range Shooting and then talk about how this relates to my perspective and what I think you guys should be going with. All right, so this is in a chapter where they're talking about errors built into shooting hit percentage. The conclusion of this rifle zero discussion is to establish your zero from the positions you'll be shooting from at long range. If you'll be shooting long range from the ground with a bipod, Don't establish your zero from a bench rest on sandbags. Take every opportunity to verify your rifle's zero at short ranges before shooting long range. Zeroing a rifle is a basic but necessary practice in long range shooting. Many shooters pay careful attention to group sizes, which is the main focus during load development. But after you have a precise load that shoots small groups, your focus should shift to centering that group. If you spend hundreds of shots working up a load, shooting dozens of groups to maximize precision, it wouldn't make sense to be satisfied with your zero after only three shots. Shot groups from different positions to see how much your grip, cheek weld, trigger control, and sight alignment affect the rifle's point of impact in relation to zero. Learn how to mitigate these shifts or at least know what they're doing so you can correct your zero for different firing positions. Now, I don't believe 
in changing your zero for different firing positions. But the point you can see here that we would agree on is that you need to get comfortable and familiar with your shooting enough so that you know that your effect on the rifle is minimizing the point of impact deviations. Now the context for his chapter is after looking at how a 308 hits and the hit percentage uh, from 100% on different target sizes if your zero is off. And so the pages prior to this, um, he goes through an analysis, a hit percentage probability analysis of a 308 if your zero is half an MOA off right? A half of an inch off at a hundred yards. So he said on a five inch target at 300 yards, your hit percentage starts to suffer with a half inch deviation. Now the half inch zero being off is still very small in context to most people's positional shifts that they have. And so I, I would argue that this is much bigger than this, but even if it was just half inch, cause you're talking about a half inch craft number is something that nobody's ever produced, right? But nonetheless, on a five inch target, hit percentage begins to suffer as close as 300 yards, falling from 100% to 95%. And at 500 yards, the difference is 93% with, you know, pinpoint zero to a half inch off zero as 39%. 39% hit likelihood because your zero is off by half an inch at 500 yards. 500 yards doesn't seem that far for a lot of shooters. That's a, a 1.5 MOA target, and all of a sudden your hit probability is under 40%, which means if you shoot, you're more often going to miss than hit if you do everything perfect. And that's a half inch deviation. I know I've emphasized that a little bit here already, but I, I want you to understand that if you take your craft number and multiply that, the chances of hitting those are almost slim to none when you consider that shooters are shooting three inches, three and a half inches, and that comes back down to the deviations and the patterns that you develop getting behind the rifle without thinking about the effect that we have on them. The topic of training scars is tricky because it takes self-reflection and it takes thinking about the habits that you've ingrained and taking them out of the context that you ingrained them in and thinking about a bigger picture. That type of awareness and searching for those is going to help you kind of deconstruct your shot process so that you can rebuild it with a broader context. When you go back and you shoot your positional targets, and you think about your effect on the point of impact of those bullets, consider something that uh, Kalen Wojcik says a lot, that I've heard him say multiple times, and I think is very, very important in context to um, precision rifle shooting when we're trying to shoot smaller targets or animals at distance, essentially anything with the intention of hitting something that we're trying to hit. That three thousandths of an inch of movement in the buttstock translates to half an inch at a hundred yards. Right. 
the same amount that a zero error makes a 1.5 MOA target, 39% likelihood of hit, right, can come from three thousandths of an inch of movement of the buttstock. Now, thinking about that in terms of your body and your relationship when connecting with the rifle, so I'll say that again, three thousandths of an inch of movement at the buttstock measures half an inch at 100 yards, which means that it doesn't take much variation in your body and your connection to the rifle, any kind of movement under recoil to translate to that group opening up. I think we should reflect back on assessing our fundamental positions and our inputs to the rifle system as well as the movements and the patterns that we have to get into those positions so that we're as consistent as possible. To me, how we manipulate our equipment, how we get into position, how we approach thinking about the shooting scenario that we're in, all plays a role in getting to that ultimately refined position of being able to function and perform the way we intend to and to do that, we can't have inhibitions, whether they're neurological, emotional, uh, physiological patterns that are going to deviate from that because when they start to stack, we start to lose our capabilities of performing. So while you're establishing your baselines, training your fundamentals, look back and see where those training scars could stand out. Think about scenarios where what you do might actually hold you back where you think it's helping you out and make sure that you mitigate the scenarios in which it's holding you back from as much as possible and do this periodically because it doesn't take too long before new scenarios creep in in which the way that we do things are no longer effective and that's one of the ways that we circle back to assess our personal growth is, does this apply to broader and wider scenarios? Yes or no. If it doesn't, it might be worth reevaluating such that it does so that we don't get caught in a corner because we've trained ourselves into it. What are some examples of potential scars? Well, they're endless because there's something that you do without thinking. It could be always setting the tripod to the same height only to find a shooting window that's lower than that same height, having to break your position down before rebuilding it. It could be always shooting the tame, same targets in the same sequence. Recently, I noticed that when I trained for the hunter, I trained finding four targets, shooting four targets. When I couldn't find one of the targets, because I had trained finding four before shooting, I didn't think to shoot the three that I had found and then invest remaining time on the fourth, finding it and shooting it. Rather, I timed out looking for the fourth target. On the clock, that was a training scar. Do you always use a Kestrel to determine your dope before you're shooting or do you trust writing down a DA card and having hard data? If you always do that, can you pull out a Kestrel and double check? If you always shoot steel and not paper, you could be developing training scars. And the same holds true for shooting paper and not steel. I notice I shoot a lot of paper and finding the same size steel target 
causes a small delay in me to make sure that it's the target, get my reticle on and do those adjustments. So I notice that, I'm correcting that. Not reflecting on the manipulations that you have. Do you, when you run the bolt, does your elbow stay on the ground? Do you always get in the same position? Do you always do the same thing on a barricade such that you don't think about it in terms of what are the dimensions? How is it stable? What are options? Thinking about those options allows you to be adaptive rather than reactive. Now in competitions, you have to be reactive, but most other scenarios you have to be adaptive, which means adding in contingencies to your training. I watched a self-defense video where you could see that the person practiced shooting two targets by shooting the left one once, the right one twice, going back to the left one once. The problem is in this video, the person goes one, one, two, one. And when that shot was taken, the person on the left was able to shoot them because both of those shots were missed. Could that have been a training scar or something that a workaround could have been identified before that? It's hard to say, but anything that causes you to get used to a pattern or a repetitive system doesn't translate to unknown conditions. So whatever you do, if you dial elevation, hold elevation sometimes. If you dial wind, hold wind. If you hold wind, dial wind. Make sure that from time to time, you deconstruct the things that you do to make sure that they aren't becoming habitual such that there's a scenario that you could come up with that would throw you off. So maybe that means thinking about your application and if you were designing a stage, how would you do it such that it would cause you problems and then develop a training workaround for that so that when you go into that scenario, you're not caught off guard. Those are potential things that you could do to self-reflect and assess. And I would really enjoy hearing back from you about training scars and thoughts so that we could continue this conversation down the road next time we circle back from listener input as to why we do things one way and A, how could we do it such that it would cause an issue and B, how could we train and think about it such that regardless of what was thrown at us, we would be able to adjust quickly and accurately in a way that would then have the advantage. Anyway, if you like this stuff, share it with your friends. I'm relying on word of mouth and feedback from you guys as to what direction this takes. And if it's not something that you're into and you didn't like it, I still appreciate your time. Thanks for listening.